0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Philosopher's Pebble, formerly known as the Soldiers of the Round Table. This new and improved podcast will cover many things such as culture, history, news, and so much more. Thanks for tuning into our first episode. We're super excited you're here. And without further ado, let's get into it. I feel like that was good. I feel like that was really good. Today's podcast is everything World War II, with a new segment called Sean on the Streets. You may even recognize Sean from our old podcasts. He kind of played the role of the unpaid intern, but we still loved him. Our first segment this year is going to be hosted by none other than Robert himself. Hit it, Robert.
1: Hello, my name is Robert, and today I will be talking about the Pacific Front during World War II. On December 7th, 1941, the American naval base at Pearl Harbor was attacked by the Imperial Japanese Navy. When the Japanese attacked, they came in two waves. The first wave went after anti-aircraft emplacements and airstrips. And the second wave was the main attack where they targeted the Pacific Fleet and repair yards. During the attack, the Japanese destroyed over 300 aircraft, 20 naval vessels, and killed or injured about 3,400 Americans. Not very long after the surprise attack, our president during the time, Franklin D. Ro- Franklin Delano Roosevelt, declared war on the Japanese. And this was not a surprise, though, because the U.S. and Japan had been slowly edging towards war for decades before this attack. Though the attack was very destructive and fatal, most of the submarine pins and repair yards at the base stayed intact and were able to repair most of the ships and send them back out into the Pacific. Now we're going to switch to our next topic. On June 3, 1942, the United States Navy and Imperial Japanese Navy clashed near the US-controlled Midway Islands, which was halfway between Japan and America. The Japanese Navy was hoping to catch the US Navy off guard and take the islands no problem, which they almost accomplished. That is until American codebreakers intercepted a message and warned the Navy about the attack, which put them on the defensive. In the earlier hours of the attack, a PBY Catalina sent a decoded message to the naval base soon after the Japanese carriers were spotted. The Air Force at the base had sent up all of their aircraft to take on the first wave of Japanese The attack soon turned downhill for the Americans as the Japanese gained the tactical advantage and were racking up kills, but then it turned to the American side, and by June 6th, the battle was over, and the Americans had won. This loss drained Japanese morale and raised American morale, and it ended the Japanese campaign in the Pacific.
0: You know what's funny? I'm not even sure I'm supposed to be hosting this podcast. I just signed up to edit it. Anyways, thank you so much, Robert, for that exceptional bit about the Pacific Front. Now, we're on to Sterling, who will be telling us about the technological advancements the world saw during World War II.
2: Hi, everyone. My name is Sterling Rankin, and today I will be discussing technology advancements during World War II. There were a bunch of tanks that were famous during World War II. The one that I have from the U.S. is the M26 Pershing. The Tiger 1 and the Panzer IV and the T-34 are all German tanks. The United Kingdom's tanks are the Sherman Firefly and the Comet. And lastly, for the tanks for the Soviet and or Russia had the KV-2 tank. The famous American planes were the P-51 Mustang, the, P- the PBY-5 Catalina, the Vought F-4U Crosshair, and the Brewster F-2A Buffalo. The other planes were the Yak-3, which was Soviet, the BF-110, which was German, and the Hawker Hurricane, which was British. The last subject I have to share with you is weaponry. There were many upgrades for World War II under the subject of weaponry. Some famous weapons were the M-1 Garand and the M-1 Carbine. The Kar 98K rifle and many other famous guns and bombs built for World War II. The most powerful was the atomic bomb. Thank you for listening.
0: You know what? I'm kind of running out of ideas for things to say in between segments. Anyways, without further ado, I present to you the first Sean on the Street segment of the year.
3: Yo, what's up? It's your boy Sean. I'm here. Stop laughing. It's not funny. Uh, it's your boy, Sean. I'm here with the Philosopher's Pebble on, our, on everyone's favorite segment. The best segment, Sean on the Street. I'm here with my first interview, Dutch, and we're going to talk about how he is a male man. Uh, so, why did you feel the need to specify that you were a male and then specify that you were a man? Aren't they one and the same?
0: Uh, they are, but I just it felt important to uh, explicitly uh, make, make it known that I am both a male and a man. Yeah,
3: like remove all doubt, you know? Uh, so, yeah, just double down on your point, I guess? So I'd say that you have a pretty firm belief on your, your maleness. Uh, yeah, pretty strong belief, yeah. Nice. Uh, so... Yeah, there's not a lot left to really talk about for this specific thing, because you seem to have made your point clear. Uh, is there anything else you would, like, maybe append to that, apart from just male and man, maybe there's some other thing to cement your maleness? Uh, no, just one 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 problem is uh, every time I uh,
0: tell uh, people that I'm a mailman they think I'm delivering mail, but I'm not. I'm just asserting that I'm <laughs> both a uh, biological male and a man.
3: <laughs> nice, nice, nice. So Um, If you were to deliver mail, would it be about mails? Most definitely. All right. Well, you heard it here first, folks. That's Dutch the Mailman. Bye.
0: You know, sometimes it's good to remind yourself that you are, in fact, a mailman. Not to be confused with a mailman, of course, but you are actually a mailman. Okay, next is Luke's bit. He'll be telling us about the Molotov. You know what? I'll just let him explain it.
4: Hi, my name is Luke, and I'm going to talk about how the Baltic people felt about the molotov ribbentrop Pact between Nazi Germany and the USSR. To give some perspective on the subject, in 1917, the Russian Empire was ended by Communists and Liberals in the country to to form the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics, or USSR for short. Tsar Nicholas II, the last Tsar of Russia, abdicated his power to the Communists, namely Vladimir Lenin. After World War I, the Soviet Union lost territory as a result. Poland was created out of Germany and Russia. The Baltic states were formed, and Finland was created. Was recreated. Lenin and his successor Joseph Stalin disliked the arrangements, so they set about retaking the countries by force. Germany, the other player in the pact, also lost land after the war. Required to was required to repay the ally, Allied powers for the. Def- for defeating the Germans and also had an inept and dysfunctional democracy established. The Ger- Germans were split between the left, communists, and the right, fascists. Um, this, guy, this guy came to power, who's an agent for the German army at the time, was sent to the political party meeting, which accepted fascism, and he was a fan. After rising to power, both Stalin and the guy wanted to grow their countries, grow their countries and counter the influence of the other. To get there, however, they would have to make a shrewd alliances, which weren't to last. The, the Molotov-Ribbentrop Pact set the agreement between Germany and Russia not to attack each other when they both attacked Poland in 1939. The, the agreement also stipulated that the USSR could have some Eastern European countries like Finland and the Baltic states. The USSR had been fighting against Finland before the arrangement, like in the Winter War. The Soviets had wanted to annex the Baltic states because Peter the Great founded St. Petersburg in the 1700s around that region, and every Russian leader since wants to control a port that isn't iced over. Fighting in northeastern Europe hadn't been like this forever, as Russia, Finland, and the Baltic states were all part of the Russian Empire, and the local conflict sprung up only after the Bolsheviks revolted and took control of Russia. Lenin, the first leader of the Soviet Union, didn't pursue an aggressive p- foreign policy because he literally only got to reign for seven years until he died. Lenin's successor, Joseph Stalin, wanted to make the Soviet Union a more powerful force in the world, which required a more aggressive foreign policy. Stalin felt felt threatened by the guy I mentioned by by that guy I kept alluding to earlier, an Austrian politician who rose to power because of a failing democracy, and he felt the same way with Stalin. But he wanted to, uh, to lure Stalin into a false sense of security, so he sent his minister, Joachim von, Joachim von Ribbentrop, to negotiate with Stalin's minister, Vyacheslav Molotov. Both ministers came to the agreement of the Molotov-Ribbentrop Pact. Lithuania was part of, a, of Germany's sphere of influence, but they decided to give it up because of their agreement. Well, whenever the Balts heard about the agreement, many, f- many felt anxious about how Stalin would react now that he has more people to work in the Soviet work camps, also known as Gulags. This reaction, what, this reaction is due to how authoritarian Joseph Stalin was when comparing him to Vladimir Lenin. However, Stalin ruled over the states with puppet rulers, but he still had power to build military bases in the nation's territories if he pleased. The Soviets rigged the votes of the Baltic states in their favor, setting up puppet states anyways. During World War II, though, when the Nazis invaded the USSR in Operation Barbarossa, some Balts sided with the Germans to push back the Russians and establish their independence after the war. After signing the treaty, the German radio radio broadcast to France and the UK about how they had no diplomatic luck with Stalin. Soon after signing the treaty, both the Soviet Union and Nazi Germany invaded Poland, which started World War II. After the war, the Soviet Union won—which the Soviet Union won— and they, they took territory all the way up to Western Germany, along with basically all of Eastern Europe.
0: Quite an interesting take on the Eastern Front. I think it's important to keep in mind the political climate of the USSR and things that led to the Soviet Union's rise when thinking about World War II. We'll be ending today's episode with one more Sean on the Streets interview.
3: back with Sean on the Street, and today we're here with Joel the most expertist master in participation trophies. So, Joel, how many participation trophies do you actually have? Uh, myself, I have four. Four, that's a lot. How many competitions have you entered to get so many? Four. Nice. That's an incredible feat of superior prowess in the intellectual realm. So, Joel, how? what, what advice would you have for people who want to follow in your footsteps? I mean, just go to competitions, find places that give out participation trophies. You know, they're, uh, they're very difficult to get these days. You know, people think that participation trophies, they're not worth anything, but I would disagree. I think they're worth more than a trophy for first place, even. Because a participation trophy means that you tried your best. It, I, well, I guess it doesn't. I guess it just means you tried a little bit. But it means you tried. That's that's great. That's great insight, Joel. Um, so, one last parting word. Uh, if someone were to come up to you and ask you if you wanted to g- sell your participation trophy, what would you sell it for? Uh, I would say you're crazy. If you think I would ever part with any of these participation trophies, uh, what are you participating in that you deserve these? Nothing. They're participating in entrepreneurship, or I guess sales, I don't know, trying to buy stuff, that's what they're participating in. Anyways, that's the interview with Joel, and that's going to be the final one for today, and so yeah, go like, I don't know, go like, I don't know, give give your mom a hug or something.